0: sells a hand because you got out of bed this morning. Come on. You deserve it. You deserve it. Come on. We celebrate you every week. We celebrate you every week. And um, thank you, uh, coaches. Uh, I'm looking for new coaches if anybody is uh, willing to. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Thank you guys so much for uh, the love. Uh, we couldn't. isn't about me, so it's kind of kind of hard, but easy for me to deflect, so I'm just going to deflect and go, go straight to, to God and what He has done, because it's all about Him, and when we first started Refuge, I always said, if this ever becomes about me, then uh, I need to quit, because um, it's, it's not, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus and what He is doing, and I, I just hope and I pray that, that we have introduced you into a new life with Jesus, one that maybe you knew before, but, but one that you fully appreciate now, one that, that maybe you were on the sidelines at the last church you were part of, and now you're actually in the ball game. because we know that being in the ballgame is, is the thing that grows us. And maybe you're not in the ballgame yet, well, we're going to invite you today to be a part of what we're doing, of of what God is doing through us, because there is no greater joy than when God uses you to accomplish something that only He could do. The accolades and the praise, it all goes back to Him. It's not about us. It's not about me. I say thank you for, for the appreciation and, and I just because it, it feels good to get a pet on the back every once in a while. You need that. And we wanna we hope that we that we appreciate you every week. We hope that we we tell you, thank you, we can't do it without you. And we want to appreciate you every Sunday. And it's just it's just so, so good to be a part of something that God is doing. The dream that we had in our hearts to plant the refuge church was from him. Like This isn't my idea. I'm not this good, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you see that. I hope that you recognize that. Tanya might be this good, but not me. (laughs) You can turn to your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. That's where we're going to be at this morning. But we've got some really important things that I want to just kind of announce this morning um, before we get into our message last week. By the way, the, the video, wasn't the video awesome of, of being in the Dominican Republic? like, like So that's, that was with Tim Owens. He was there. I was jealous of him being there. Uh, you're not supposed to be jealous, but I was jealous of him. And uh, he was there on the launch of our Hope Center. Um, we will be starting a Hope Center. And next Sunday is the beginning of that here. It's already begun there. And we have a church that is underwriting everything that's going on. They're supporting everything that's going on there right now so that next week we can come alongside of them and we need your pledge to, to, to come alongside them and to, to help support kids in the Dominican Republic. The The money that, that, that will be pledged to that would be um, providing for food, providing for education, providing for biblical knowledge, but so providing for health care, which is something that not every child in the Dominican Republic get to experience. But with us sponsoring kids, our goal next week is to sponsor 50 kids. We can do it. I believe it. We, we've got at least 50 families represented here. We can do it. We, we can support fam- We can support kids in the Dominican Republic, and we can, we can do that. It's going to be an incredible, incredible Sunday. One that I believe will be a catalyst for amazing things to come. One that that will be just the beginning of something great here in Wyndham. Um, But I believe if we're going to reach the Dominican Republic first, if we're going to reach the Dominican Republic, we have to first reach Wyndham. Because when we reach more people here, we can reach more people there. So it doesn't require you to be a part of the Refuge Church to to sponsor a child. Um, You can go to other, your friends that go to other churches... The only thing that's required to sponsor a child is to be here next Sunday. Um, be here next Sunday so that we can um, we can team up together uh, because we're definitely better together. Um, another announcement that I want to t- t- take just a few minutes to explain. Darren um, asked me to trust him at the beginning. Uh, he didn't tell me he was going to take five minutes away from my sermon, so went. Planter, that's what I do um, so in two weeks we've been given an opportunity this last week that we didn't we weren't looking for um, but I believe that a church that reaches the community gets noticed by the community because like it's so good to experience this here but like, for us to be able to experience it out there in the community is, is just even, it's, it's the reason we came. So a church that reaches the community gets noticed by the community. And one of the things that we've done over the last two years, which you may have thought was kind of small. You know what? I actually thought it was acknowledgement confession. I actually thought it was kind of small. We, every year we give money to this, to summer fest, um, we give them $3,000 every year to sponsor a inflatable park so that families don't have to pay to, to, to jump on these inflatables. These kids can go to Summerfest and have a good time and, and to be a part of the community. And, and when you give to the Refuge Church, you give through the Refuge Church. And we always promise that we're going to give back to the community. And so um, we've been doing that for the last two years with Summerfest. In two weeks, Wyndham Youth Football is hosting uh, what's known as the Halloween Bowl. Uh, Now, you know how I feel about youth sports on Sundays. I hate it. Um, I think whoever thought of playing games on Sundays should be, uh, well, I'm not going to tell you what I think because I'm supposed to be life-giving here. So... Wyndham Youth Football plays on Sundays, and they reached out to us because we've sponsored Summerfest over the last two years and asked us if we would be willing to sponsor something like that for the Halloween Bowl. My first reaction, 100% honesty right here, because if I can't be honest with you, I can't be honest with anybody, 100% honesty. I said, no way, that's on Sunday morning, why in the world would we go out into the community on Sunday morning and... uh, do something and support something that that takes away from what we want to do. And God convicted me after that, like he always does. And he said to me, Adam, is this about reaching the community or is this about doing what you're doing? Is this about reaching the community or about about people coming into the auditorium to watch you on stage. Is this about me or about you? And so, I was like, okay God, this is about you. He said, then be a part of this. Now, before you like think I've gone crazy... We're not canceling church in two weeks. That's not what we're doing. What they're asking us to do will require the help of about 10 to 12 people. That's all. And require requires some money to to support the, to to pay for the reclaimables. And so God also said to me, Adam, you can share this with your team because you have enough people on your team. You can just take people from your team and do it. Or you can share this with your whole church and open it up and allow them to see that we do need them. Because what's going to happen is we're going to take 10 or 12 people, either people that aren't serving already on Sunday morning, or people that are serving already, and we're going to be missing those people. And so we need people to reach the community. So when you when you look at what's going on at the refuge, I understand that sometimes we give off the perception that we've got it covered. We've got it covered on Sunday Like, we do, because we have to have it covered in order to make it work. But we have to go three or four deep in order to make it last. And we want it to last. And so God said, share it with the whole church and let them know what you're doing so that they know that this isn't about you being on stage. Like, you're actually going to prove it to them that this is about reaching the community. Because if we're going to be in the community, we actually need to be willing to be in the community on Sunday morning when we do this. So, if you want to help with uh, with with inflatables, we all we're looking for is we're looking for people to stand at inflatables. Now, here's the no no, no. I'm not going to do something without uh, being able to accomplish our mission, right? So, so we still want to reach our mission of telling people about Jesus and giving and offering them hope to the world, and this is what we're going to do. We're allowed to wear our refuge swag, our refuge apparel. Our refuge drip. If you're like really really hip, so we're allowed to wear our refuge stuff. Some of you guys were like, "What did he just say?" I don't know. And your kids are looking at you, and be like, "Don't worry about it, mom. You don't need to know." So, so you can wear. We want you if you if you if you help me. Man- like we'll give you refuge flag if you don't have any to wear out there. Um, we want you to represent the refuge. We'll have our flags out there. And catch this, November 3rd is a big Sunday, right? I just ordered 35,000 pieces of mail to go out to the community to invite them to our church. For the the whole month of November, when we do this series called At the Movies, because we're going to be using modern day parables to give people the hope of Jesus during the whole month of November. And so... Um, we want to invite people into November and we want it to be we want it to be big. We want we want to use it. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about, about it in the five minutes that I have for a sermon in just a moment. But this is an opportunity to gain some momentum. And we're gonna we're gonna be obedient. We're always gonna be obedient. One of the things is what what my job is, is to always be willing to do what God asks us to do and to lead us through that, even if it seems crazy. This kind of seems crazy to some people, but I'm telling you right now, we're going to reach this community. Because it's not about us. So if you're interested in helping with the Halloween Bowl, uh, you can stop by Next Steps. They'll take down your your email address so we can communicate with you. Or you can find Garen. He's the guy that pretty handsome guy kind of looks like me. He was up here just a minute ago. You can talk to him. He's going to lead the charge in this and it's going to be guys, there will be 16 football teams at the at the Halloween Bowl. 16. That's, there's 11 kids that are on a field at a one time at a football. At at a, you can do the math. Like That's a lot of people that will get to be um, that, that will be invited to the Refuge Church. Uh, and so um, it's going to be man, it's going to be good that announcement is a good segue into uh, what i have to bring to you this morning uh, and i want to talk to you on this subject the subject of there is a cloud we sang a song just a moment ago about there is a cloud i want to explain that to you in just a minute and um God just really enlightened me to something as we were singing at the end, and that was, we sang at the end, we receive your rain, right? We receive your rain, And so I want to point out to you at the beginning of my message this morning that some of you already believe in Jesus, and you need to receive the rain, R-A-I-N, the reign of what he wants to do in your life and the blessing Announcing that the drought is over and you're coming back to him and you receive the R A I N in your life. However, there are some of you that do not believe in Jesus yet that need to receive his rain, R E I G N, into your life. Come on, you understand what I'm saying? So, whichever rain it is that you need, we want to offer it to you this morning because we believe that Jesus, when you give him full surrender of your life. And you say, I will follow you. He will lead you to places that there will be no drought. First Kings chapter 17. I want to tell you the story this morning about this man by the name of Elijah. And I hope that you're okay with me just telling you the story, but I want you to know that this story is not a story that I have made up. This is a story that is written in God's word It is inspired by God It was ordained by God And it's a story that he is writing Still to this day But he wrote it with this man by the name of Elijah Who was a prophet And in the Old Testament What happened was uh, There was this, there's this, this group of people By the name of the children of Israel Anybody hear the children of Israel? The children of Israel were, were God's chosen people We know them as the Jewish nation today so the Jewish nation, the children of Israel, are God's chosen people. And there came a time in their life, in, their, in the, the history, where they looked all around them at the at the countries around them. And they, they noticed one thing, that all the countries around them had something that they didn't have. The countries around them had a king. And they're going, kind of like my daughter, my friends have Snapchat, we want Snapchat. Like, like my friends have a king, we want a king. It, it looks good for them it must be good for me. no 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 it's not good for you. You see because the children of Israel were God's chosen people he was supposed to be their king all the time. He was the one that was supposed to reign in their lives. but they said God, we don't really like the way this is going and we want a king for us and so God said fine. If you throw a fit long enough with God, sometimes he says, all right, have it your way. Anna, this isn't Burger King. You can't have it your way. No Snapchat, no iPhone, not yet. And so he finally surrenders and he says, all right, I'll give you this man by the name of King Saul. King Saul will be your king. And King Saul rules. And then after King Saul comes King David. And between King Saul and King David, they were both men that follow God. And then after King Saul was what or after King David was his son Solomon and Solomon uh, was the wisest man to ever live. But towards the end of his reign what happened was Solomon started marrying women to get political influence. And so because he would marry all these women for political influence what happened was he started to lose focus on what he was focused on before. And he started, at the end of Solomon's reign, what happens is he starts following the world and following the political influence more so than God's influence. And God's sitting here going, this is why, ladies and gentlemen, this is why I wanted you just to follow me. Because man will fail you. And so Solomon dies and his son Rehoboam becomes king. And Rehoboam's uh, kingship looks a lot like Solomon at the end of his his reign, not at the beginning. Rehoboam didn't do a good job. And in the middle of Rehoboam's reign, there was this this guy by the name of Jeroboam. And Jeroboam decides to split the nation. You can read all this in, in 1 Kings chapter 17. Rehoboam decides to split the kingdom of Israel. And what happens is they split it into northern Israel and southern Judah. And so now, all of a sudden, when you're reading your Bible in the first book of first Kings, every once in a while, it gets a little confusing because you don't understand if if you're reading about Israel or if you're reading about Judah. But like to summarize, they're both like the same people. They're just split. And so when they become split after um, after Rehoboam and Jeroboam, a man by the name of Ahab becomes king in Israel. And during Ahab's reign... It gets to be so chaotic And so messed up That God says you know what You you people can't even see me anymore I'm going to send you these people Known as prophets that can see me And I will allow them to see me But I won't allow you to see me You have to follow them And so enters this man By the name of, of Elijah Elijah is like the OG pastor He's like He's like the very first pastor to ever exist. He was the guy that led the people of Israel during this time where the the people weren't doing what, what God wanted them to do. And in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see a story about Elijah and about this season of drought. season the Bible says that that God showed Elijah that that the, the drought would only last for a few years he doesn't even tell Elijah how long the drought would take place Elijah goes to Ahab and he says there will be no dew or rain for a few years and Elijah tells uh, and God tells Elijah to go and hide by this brook. And I'm going to send you some ravens that will bring you meat and food to feed you while you're at this brook. But eventually the brook dries up. And after the brook dries up, Elijah's looking to God going, great, now what? It's not rained yet and I don't have anything to drink. What am I going to do? And God sends Elijah to a widow's house. Now, don't lose the significance of Elijah being sent to a widow's house. Because I'm sure Elijah was sitting here going, What? You want me to go where? To a widow's house. What is she going to have to offer me? Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes in the middle of your drought, God will send you to the most unlikeliest place for provision. In the middle of a drought, you have to be willing to go wherever God sends you, even if it doesn't look like the answer will be there. You want me to go to church this morning? God, do you know who I am? Is lightning going to hit me when I'm there? It's in a school. Don't worry about it. You're fine. He sends Elijah to this widow's house. And when he gets there, he finds her picking up sticks because she's going to go home and start a fire. And she tells Elijah, I'm just going to go home and, 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 and cook my son and I's last meal and we're going to die. And Elijah tells her, if you go home and you cook and you let me eat first, put the man of God first in your life. I'm not telling you that for me. He's telling this to this widow. Put the man of God first in your life and everything be taken care of. Your cupboards will always be full. So they go to her house and she cooks him a meal. And, and Elijah eats, and then her and her son eat, and everything's fine. The covers are full, everything looks great until one day her son gets sick and dies. Can you believe that? I read the story and I'm like, God, what are you doing? And Elijah is reading this, like being a part of the story, and he's Like everything's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, it's not. Anybody ever been there? Come on, somebody. Come on. We've all been there where everything looks like it's going to be fine. But then someone dies. And the woman calls Elijah. And Elijah says, bring me the boy. And in verse 20 of, a, of 1 Kings 17, you can read it if you want. Or you can follow along in the in the U Version Bible app if, if you get lost. I've got all of our notes on the U Version Bible app. You can find out how to get there right on the screen behind me. First Kings 17, 20 says, Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O oh Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Up to this point in all the scripture ladies and gentlemen no one has ever been risen from the dead. According to scripture when we look at it there's no more there's no accounts of anyone ever being risen from the dead up until this point. So Elijah this man of faith somehow some way he he's here and he's like God what are you doing? But he knew God wasn't in it He knew God Had done it for a reason But I want you to realize This was a very dark moment Elijah found a way To have faith in the darkest of moments Enduring faith Ladies and gentlemen Has the ability withstand even the darkest moments. I want you to know this morning that some of you have had faith in the past that you need to just have a little more faith to endure. It doesn't take much. God said, it, Jesus said, all it requires is the faith of a mustard seed and you have enough faith. Faith that endures, endures before the Endures, endures before the obstacle appears. It's, it's strong from the beginning. If it's gonna last. It's gonna be there from the beginning. It's gonna, you're gonna decide now that it's gonna last. Before the storm comes, you know you're gonna make it. You know you're gonna find shelter. Before the marriage falls apart. Your faith at the I do says, I will never say I don't. Before your marriage gets to the point where it looks like it's going to fail, you say divorce is not an option. Faith that endures, endures from the beginning, it endures from the start. You, You make a choice and say, God, I will follow you no matter what. This morning we're talking about, there is a cloud. I'm talking about the cloud of enduring faith. And Elijah had enduring faith. And it started way back before the boy died. Faith that endures says God's going to provide before the bank accounts at zero. Faith that endures. It began before the drought started. So Elijah lays the boy down upstairs. He takes the boy upstairs to bed and he lies on the floor, on the bed. And the weirdest thing happens. Can I, can I just say, sometimes the Bible is weird. And that's okay. Elijah lays over the boy three times. Puts his whole body on top of the boy three times. And on the third time, the boy rose from the dead. I can't help but to think, the drought lasted three years. Maybe it was a little foreshadowing. I don't know. But on the third time, the boy came to life. Full of life. Just like he was before. And then we get to chapter 18. First Kings chapter 18. Probably... Most of you, if you've heard a story of Elijah, you've heard this story that I'm going to tell you about this time of drought when he's he's battling this guy named Ahab and 40 or 450 prophets of Baal. He's he's he like like that's what he's up against. You got 450 prophets of Baal, and you've got Ahab, and you've got Elijah in one God. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And things in, in Israel are chaos. And Elijah says, Here's what we'll do. We're gonna get two bulls. You get, the, you get first, first pick. You get I'll give you first dip, he says. You, you pick the bull that you want, and I'll pick the bull that I'll, I'll pick the other bull. You set up your altar, I'll set up my altar. And so that's what they do. They get two, two bulls. Ahab and the, the four, 450 prophets of Baal get to get their first pick. And Elijah gets his second pick. And so the, the prophets of Baal start to set up this altar. And they start dancing and praying and singing and doing all, this thing, all these things to the prophet uh, of Baal. And, and Elijah, he just laughs at them. And starts throwing insults at them, like like Elijah was a create. Like I think Elijah would have gone to the refuge church because he got sarcasm. Like he understood it. You know what I'm saying? He would have fitted well around right here. Come on, somebody. And what happens is he starts yelling back at him. He's like, "That's all you got? That's all you got? Bill isn't." relieving himself he actually you can go back to the bible and you can read it maybe he's just on the toilet come on like maybe he's just busy i'm like god you just put that in it'll make me laugh and nothing ever happens and then elijah gets cocky and he says to the people Go and dig a trench around this around this this altar. And I'm gonna get four jars of water. It's, the Bible says that the, the trench was large enough to feed to, to put four or three gallons of water in it. And so he goes and he gets four jars of water and he douses the altar. He just gets cocky in the face of Baal. Listen, it's okay to get cocky in the face of the devil. Come on. It's okay to say no, not today, Satan. We're gonna, we're gonna stand up against you, and you don't have any say in what goes on in this place, in this whole school. It's okay to get to have confidence in God. Confidence in God is not cocky. We have the confidence in God that He's building this thing, not us. And so Elijah takes the water and he douses the altar with water, fills up the trenches, and then he prays, and God. Says, fire from heaven, and that altar just lights up on fire, and then we get to this little story that I want to look at in, chapter, in verse 41, the story of Elijah going to Ahab, and he says that, um, before we get to, to that, it's, it's uh, I lost my, my place in my notes here. It happens, it's okay I was on a roll So what happens is Before we get to verse 41 Elijah is It's, it's in the beginning of, of chapter 18 And Elijah says There's a rainstorm coming And he looks To his servant and he says to his servant, go and look out to the sea. The Bible says that Elijah um, climbed, out to Mount, climbed up to Mount Carmel. And he knew that a rainstorm was coming. I'm still trying to find a place in my notes if you haven't noticed. The confidence that Elijah has in God at this point is a lot more confidence than I have right now. I'm kidding. Elijah's confidence is riding so high. He says, you know what, I, I just know that the end of this drought is on its way. to know this morning that my confidence in God is riding so high right now at the refuge that this drought is over. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not much of a drought. Like what God is doing, our church will turn three years old on March 5th. I don't know many... Churches that are three years old that have this amount of people here on Sunday morning. I don't know many churches that are three years old that really do not need the money of outside support to take care of what's going on here. Like, I don't know many churches that are three years old that are where we are. But I want you to know that there's a rainstorm coming. We may not have been in a drought, but the storm's about to open, the floodgates are about to open up. And God's about to rain down on us. It's no, it's no coincidence. It's no coincidence that the the drought that Elijah was experiencing lasted three years. We're about to turn three years old Because we've had three years of experience This three year drought is over And we're about to enter into a time That we're going to need special strength And we're going to talk about In verse 41 it says Then Elijah said to Ahab Go and get something to eat and drink Because I hear a mighty rainstorm coming In verse 42 it says So Ahab went to eat and drink. So Ahab listened to Elijah. Like, after you've seen an altar caught catch on fire that was drenched in water, you're going to listen to whatever that guy that caused that to happen to do. And so he, he he goes and he gets something to eat, but Elijah climbed to the mountaintop, to Mount Carmel, and bowed low, and he prayed with his face to the ground and his knees on the ground. He put his face between his knees. Ladies and gentlemen, just because you see an end to your droughts doesn't mean it's time to stand up. Just because you see an end to your drought actually means it's time to hit the floor. It's time to get on your knees. It's time to pray and beg and ask God to continue to do what he's already doing. Just because he saw the end of the drought doesn't mean he stood up. Doesn't mean that he stopped seeking after God. Verse 43, then he said to his servant, go and look toward the sea. I love this. What is, somebody tell me, what is Elijah's servant's name? You don't know. It's not there. You keep looking, but it's not there. Elijah's servant doesn't have a name. And what I've learned is that some of the most significant people in all the scripture aren't given names. Here's why. Because when a character in the scripture, this is what I believe. When a character in the scripture isn't given a name, it's so that you can put your name there. The woman at the well didn't have a name. What was her name? I don't know. Maybe it's so that I know that because Jesus is willing to have a conversation with me in spite of my past. Maybe it's because Jesus wants to offer me living water. The woman that was caught in an adulterous act was not given a name in Scripture. Why is it that she isn't given a name in Scripture? Maybe it's because it doesn't matter what I've been caught in that God looks to me and he says, go and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Thomas, one of my favorite people in Scripture that isn't given a name is doubting Thomas. A brother that is a twin because the Bible says that Thomas nicknamed the twin. Why would he be nicknamed the twin if he didn't have a twin? His twin is never mentioned. Why is that? Because maybe I'm Thomas' twin because I also doubt. When people in the Bible do not have a name, I believe it's so that I can put my name there. And so Elijah's servant, Elijah looked at Adam and he said, go. And he looked, look over the sea, go and see what you can see. Elijah's servant doesn't have a name because sometimes I need to look seven times before I see the cloud. Verse 43, continue reading. The servant went and he looked and then he returned to Elijah and he said, I didn't see anything. Seven times Elijah told him, go and look. And finally, the seventh time I saw, he, he told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. Ladies and gentlemen, the servant saw a rain cloud the size of a man's hand. And he knew that it was enough. That a rainstorm was coming. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't take much faith. Verse 45. And soon the sky was black with clouds, a heavy wind brought Terrific brainstorm and Ahab Left quickly to Jezreel And then the Lord gave Special strength to Elijah He tucked His cloak into his belt And he ran ahead of Ahab's chariot All the way to the entrance of Jezreel So After it started raining where Three years of drought Nothing, no, not a drop God Gives special strength to Elijah To help him run in front of Ahab and get to Jezreel before Ahab even got there. Ladies and gentlemen, when God sends a rainstorm, you need special strength to get through it. We're going to need some special strength to get through the rainstorm that God's about to bring. That's why we need your help. We need people on the team. I want to give you four quick things. Quick, quick things. I'm I'm out of time already. I want to give you four quick things about enduring faith that we see from Elijah's leadership. Number one, enduring faith has a leader. Enduring faith has a leader. The leader in the story of Elijah was Elijah. But his faith started way back when the boy died. In fact, his faith was there before the boy died. So he knew that he could call on God, and God would bring him to life. My pastor, Derek Fry, looked at me one day, and he said, Adam, every pastor needs a leader, or every pastor needs a pastor. And so I looked at him, and I said, Pastor Derek, my dad, is my, my pastor. He's always been my pastor. And he looked at me, and he goes, that's good. My dad was my pastor, too. I know exactly what you mean. You need a spiritual leader in your life? And I looked at him and I go, uh, will you be my pastor? And he looks at me and goes, well, let me pray it. <laughs> Thank God he said yes. This last week, Ty and I had the privilege of going down and being with him for a couple days and just really focusing on, on our soul because we need to have leaders. I want, I want you to know this morning that that I don't stand up here alone. I have leaders behind me, people that are leading me in my faith. I need people to do that. You need people to do that. I want to offer you this morning the opportunity to be your pastor, to help you lead, to help you live in in faith, to, to, to help lead the way in that. And I know I can do it because I've got guys behind me that are helping lead me. Guys that are way stronger than I am in their faith, that have been doing it longer than I am. But I want to offer you the opportunity to, to lead you and your family as a, as a church. And there comes a time where I can't lead you all, so we have other people set up to help lead. That's what, that's what small groups are for. Small groups are set up. So that you can have leaders to lead you in your faith. Enduring faith has to, it to, requires a leader. You have to have someone leading the way. Number two. Sorry, before I get to number two, real quick, four things that a good leader does. One, it empower, they empower you to lead others. They empower you to do what they do. And a good leader also, too, will push you when you want to quit. It was seven times that it took this servant to go for. Seven times. And Elijah said, do it again, do it again, do it again. again." You need a leader to help you so that you can be pushed when it's time to quit. But you're going to have to give the, the leader permission to push you when it's time to quit. Number three, a good leader believes what others around him doesn't. Or her. A good leader believes what others around him doesn't. Number four, a good leader knows nothing to do with him and everything to do with God. Has nothing to do with him. You see, Elijah, after he told Ahab the drought is over, he went and prayed. He went and prayed. He got on his face. The second thing about enduring faith is it's contagious. Enduring faith is contagious. See, Elijah's faith had to become the servant's faith. And the servant's faith was Elijah's faith because he, he did what Elijah asked him to do. For seven times, he went. and He looked. And we, knew he, we know he had faith because when he saw a cloud, size of a man's hand. I don't know about you, but if I see a a cloud the size of a man's hand, I'm not telling everybody to go inside because it's about to rain. I'm like, we're good. We don't need the umbrella today. It's not going to rain. But the servant saw a cloud the size of a man's hand, and he said, a mighty rainstorm is coming. You better get your umbrella. Number three. If others around you do not have enduring faith, catch this. It never becomes yours. If it never becomes yours, you will see the results of the rainstorm, but you will not grow in the rainstorm. Let me say it again. If others around you see and have the enduring faith, that God's about to do something. But that faith never becomes yours. You'll get stuck and never grow. Look at it according to the Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44, Finally, the seventh time the servant told him, I saw a little rain cloud, a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. And then Elijah shouted, Hurry and go tell Ahab! Go tell Ahab and tell him to climb into his chariot, to go back home, and if he doesn't hurry, the rain will stop him. The rain stopped Ahab on the way, so much so that Elijah was able to run out in front of him. He saw the results of the storm, but it, he never got People around you have faith, and you don't. You'll never get to where God wants you. Their faith has to eventually become yours. Their faith can't save you. Only yours can. And Ahab got stopped. He saw the results. He saw the blessing. He saw the rain. But he got stopped. It's speaking to somebody, isn't it? Have the faith that will let you grow. Number four, the last thing. God will turn your enduring strength to special strength. God will endure, will turn your sp- Your enduring strength To special strength Strength that will get you through anything Strength that will get you through the storm Strength that will say Before the storm comes I'm going to make it Next week we have the opportunity To share our special strength With the Dominican Republic Because we have special strength Because we live in America Two types of people in this room People that need rain, R-A-I-N, because you are in a drought. Maybe your husband doesn't know Jesus. Maybe your family doesn't know Jesus, and it seems like there's a drought. Maybe you're going through something difficult, and you need just the blessing of God. And you just need a blessing. I want you to know... There's a storm coming. But maybe you're here this morning and you need the R-E-I-G-N, the reign of a king in your life. I want you to know that Jesus died for the opportunity to sit on the throne of your heart because something sits there. Something sits there. You, You have given it to something. Maybe it's time that you ask Jesus into your life and say, Jesus, will you sit on the throne of my heart? Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And one looking around. You know, God convicted me today that we have a, we have, a, we have a tendency to get to this place and just rush through it. I don't want to rush through it today. Because this is the most important moment of our entire service. The singing is great. We love it. But this is the time where God actually speaks to your heart. But not just that, he, he, hopefully he's already spoken to your heart, but this is your time to respond to what he has said. So I want i want to do the best I can to give you an opportunity to respond to God how he wants you to today. Not yourself, not what's comfortable, because there are parts of this moment. I think one reason why we rush through them is because sometimes there are parts of this moment where we actually get uncomfortable this isn't this isn't a comfortable thing to look into your heart to actually to, to say what do I need to change but it's necessary if you're gonna grow it's necessary so I want to ask you this morning Is there anyone in this room with the courage from deep within that you would say, Pastor Adam, I have never put Jesus on the throne of my heart. He's not reigning in my life. Or maybe you would say, I have put Jesus on the throne of my heart in the past, but he's not there anymore. I have removed him. Would you be so bold? To raise your hand and say that's me, anybody. I want to I pray with you. Thank you. I see Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want I want Jesus to be the king of my heart. What about you, sir? Have you put Jesus on the throne of your heart? What about you, man? Have you put Jesus on the throne of your heart? The faith of other people won't save you. You'll see the results of their faith. And you know what? I'll even go as far as to say that you'll get to experience some of the results of their faith, but you won't get to experience the sweetest part of their faith. Anybody else? There's somebody. You're thinking about it. You raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer that would put Jesus on the throne of your heart. It's not the words. It's the belief of you doing it. Not me. Say God, know that Jesus died for my sins, and because he died for my sins, I can put him on the throne of my heart. And so, God, I ask that Jesus would be the Lord of my life, and that would change me to be a new person. Send yourselves Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, I know that there's, there are people in this room that are going through seasons of drought. Maybe it looks like all hope is lost. Maybe it looks like you need a miracle. I want you to know this morning that you're in the right place, that, that my friend Kim and my friend Dave are up here at the stairs, and they would love to pray with you for your specific need. But if that's you, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to make you come forward. Just just raise your hand and say, Pastor Adam, I need a miracle. There's a drought in my life. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you. I need a miracle. Father, I come before you and I pray for all the people in this room that just need a touch from you. Lord, I pray that you would begin to show them the opening of the floodgates. That this week you would show them a rain cloud the size of a man's hand, God. That they would see, that they would have hope that you are about to bring a mighty storm that is going to rain in their life that they need and that that you you desire for them. God, I pray that you would open up doors, doors of opportunity. God, I pray that you would open up doors that would would be only from you, God. That we only see you. That it not be us. victory, Lord, that the victory is yours, and Lord, I thank you so much that you share the victory with us, that we can have victory in you by the blood of Jesus, and it's in his name we pray, amen, give God a hand clap of praise, come on, come on, we're going to sing a song and then be dismissed.